commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the Schaefer Award Theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth... The revolution will... Uh, nigga news, that is. My name is Othello X. Thank you for joining me. As we dive into the darkest, darkest, um, a deepest franchise citizens of the United States and most niggerish corners of the interwebs. This is Duke University. Early photographs of African Americans are the subject of the new book, Pictures in Progress. The collection of essays co-edited by Duke professor Maurice Wallace takes his name from a speech about photography by abolitionist and orator Frederick Douglass. Douglass was very, very hopeful, uh, very optimistic about the new technology, photography. He imagined that pictures would necessarily uh, yield a certain kind of social and political and cultural progress not just for African Americans but for the nation as a whole. He saw Let me tell you what, we give these niggas the ability to photograph and share these photographs with each other? The average nigga, the average nigga's enthusiasm for life will be doubled, tripled, if not quadrupled by the effect. As a way for the country to see African Americans in a new light, to see African Bitch, you look black as fuck. I love it. African Americans free, to see African Americans as fully enfranchised citizens of the United States. Negro, them shoes is on fleek. On the other hand, there are a number of accounts, a number of instances, a number of other histories. Brother, get my thick side. That show photography has also had the capacity to be repressive. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, hang a nigga by the toe. They took photographs of these lynchings and put that on a wall. To be oppressive to African Americans. Uh, certainly photography was used by scientists to promote. You see there? I told you. Exactly like my wife described. Size of a horse. A great many... Um, lies and fictions about race in the United States. These niggas skull is the sizes of a baseball. Separate schools it is. A great many African-American soldiers um, posed for portraits and those... Look here Willie, this nigga got a gun! Portraits I think were also announcements as it were by African-American soldiers. That Yo, these niggas standing proud. They were equally heroic. Look at that dark line of kings. That their sacrifices were equal to their white counterparts. Black people have fought in every single war that the United States have been in. Facts, nigga, facts. There were any number of African American families <laughs> that also sat for photographs, for portraits, so that. Billy, get the chillin' now. Get all them niggas. The nation could see African-American Look at that. I told you. They're just like us, Charles. 
families intact. It seems that photography helped the United States visualize the possibility of black folks as proper citizens fully engaged. See, I told you, if we just gave them the freedom, these niggas could thrive. <laughs> citizens of our democracy. Produced by Duke University. Yo, thanks, Duke. At Duke.edu. And nigga news. Why everybody always plugging their shit? The number of African American towns that were established. Some suggest upwards of 50 African American towns between 1924 and 1928. Reverend S.S. Jones was going around documenting this sort of self-determined, vibrant African-American communities. You see the African-American educators, doctors, lawyers, landowners, oil barons, and I think that's what's so remarkable. See here, niggas, I've got a dream. I've got a dream, I'll own some niggas. ...about this footage think that individual capitalism ladies and gentlemen how many years out of slavery are now owning oil wells that are producing 2,000 barrels a day is that not the ultimate American dream is that not the ultimate American story nigga I want a dream I want a nigga I want a dollar in the face of what I think some people consider part of African-American history and culture. And I think that that was one of the things that Oklahoma and what S.S. Jones is really kind of showing is that that African-American history and culture is not a monolith. And in a way, it became kind of like a marketing tool to encourage individuals to migrate, to move there, that this is a place where you can live, you can thrive, Aww. and peacefully reside. There were See that? These niggas around these parts, they're almost, they're calm, almost like us. Still palpable racial tensions. There are lynchings, there's Jim Crow segregation, there's all of these things and you still have an Oh, lynching day! African-American community or many communities that really speak to the fortitude and resilience of black people in this country. Mm. America! <laughs> Nah, I ain't a fan like that. You ready, nigga? Yeah. Ready for that raw dog shit, nigga? I'm on the ground, man. Okay, all right. Let me see how I'm gonna hit you with. You wanna set it off? Yeah, I'm scared to do some Okay. I'm scared to do some freestyle. Blow. I'm too high and I might go off tempo. But now I'm back to let these niggas know just how deep my game run to apocalypse. Don't sleep. I keep a motherfucking Glock in my car. If I'm holding in the club, I gotta be the fucking star. So everybody wanna smile and raise their hands. I got a razor. Case I gotta do a next, man. Cause you know how niggas be. They wanna see if Pac is real or is he like that nigga in the movie. I guess I gotta prove my point. Slicing motherfuckers. Now I'm doing a joint. I got my nigga B. I to the G beside me. Yeah. Bitches on my dick, you know the hoes wanna rob me And my other homies out here like Spike Lee They got the camera on the nigga, guess they like me But now I'm about to pass this motherfucker on Cause uh, this Tangeray is getting hella uh, strong uh, uh, Money, hoes, and clothes Blood smoke coming out the nose Is all a nigga knows Flipping on foes, putting tags on toes Watching the stash grow, clocking the cash flow The neighborhood grave digger Getting paid so much, all the bitches wanna see a nigga I guess they figure I'm paid, I wanna get laid or since I got loot, I wanna knock boots. Huh. I'd rather beat my dick than trick. And if she don't suck, then we don't fuck. Huh. I'd rather make a buck, drive a fat ass truck. 
grab the nine, two clips, and run them up. Yes, flex after two or three bexes, I wreck shit. What the fuck you expected? A fly guy? Well, fuck it, I'm a high guy. From bed stop putting the swelling on your eye. Your nose even, when I choke you, you stop breathing. When police come, I'm leaving. Peace and love. Here we go. Thanks, gentlemen. Big in Tupac. Wow. We'll definitely be hearing more of them as the 90s proceed. And directly out of our partners at Click On Detroit, Brunswick, Georgia. A white father and son accused of fatally shooting a black man on a residential Georgia street were arrested Thursday and charged with murder and aggravated assault after a national outcry that no arrests had been made, authorities said. Gregory McMichael, 64, and Travis McMichael, 34, will be booked into the Glynn County Jail, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation said in a news release. Ahmoud Arbery was killed February 23rd, just outside the port city of Brunswick. The men who pursued him in a pickup truck told police they believed Arbery was a burglar. The GBI opened an investigation this week after the video was posted online by a Brunswick radio station. Republican Governor Brian Kemp told reporters that he's confident the agency will quote find the truth. The parents of a black man slain in a pursuit by two white men armed with guns called for immediate arrest Wednesday as they faced the prospect of waiting a month or longer before Georgia grand jury could consider bringing charges. A swelling outcry over the February 23rd shooting of Ahmad Arbery intensified after a cell phone video that lawyers for his family say shows the killing surfaced online Tuesday. Following the video's release, a large crowd of demonstrators marched in the neighborhood where Arbery was killed. And the state opened its own investigation, which the governor and attorney general pledged to support. The men who pursued Arbery told police they suspected he had committed a recent burglary. Arbery's mother, Wanda Cooper Jones, told reporters Wednesday she believes her 25-year-old son was just out for his daily jog in a neighborhood outside the port city of Brunswick. She hasn't watched the video. I saw my son coming into the world, Jones said, and seeing him leave the world, it's something that I, it's not something that I ever want to see ever. No arrests have been made or charges filed in coastal Glynn County more than two months after the killing. An outside prosecutor in charge of the case said he wants a grand jury to decide whether criminal charges were warranted. That won't happen until at least mid-June, since Georgia courts remain largely closed because of the coronavirus. Attorneys for Arbery's family said the father and son, who have acknowledged in a police report grabbing guns and pursuing Arbery in a truck after seeing him running in their neighborhood, should be arrested now before a grand jury decides whether to indict them, as often happens in criminal cases. These men were vigilantes. They were a posse, and they performed a modern lynching in the middle of the day, said Lee Merritt, an attorney for Aubrey's mother. 
According to an incident report filed by Glynn County Police, Arbery was shot after the two men spotted him running in their neighborhood on a Sunday afternoon. Gregory McMichael told police that he and his adult son thought the runner matched the description of someone caught on a security camera committing a recent break in the neighborhood. They armed themselves with guns before getting in a truck to pursue him. The father said his son, Travis Markle, Michael, got out of the truck holding a shotgun and Aubrey began to, quote, violently attack. He said Aubrey was shot as the two men fought over the shotgun, according to the police report. By now you've uh, all seen the video. And if you haven't, I'll be sure to link that shit in the comments. Like, comment, and subscribe. Kidding, of course. What's my hot take on this black man's life? I got jokes coming. But it's moments like these when I feel grateful to have a platform that doesn't need to fit inside of a Trevor Noah monologue. I've been to the dark side of the web and seen what it is that drove these men to kill our brother. And I didn't have to go far. It was in my Facebook newsfeed. A young man from the West moves to Toronto and gets in trouble with the law. He hates the government and proudly identifies as a cracker. I can relate. He posts about the murder, warning his friends to not trust how the media has portrayed the incident. The rabbit hole of subsequent comments leads to some weird, incel-looking white guy's sketchy website. I can relate. He breaks down why the black guy was at fault from the perspective of the classic North American Caucasoid male. Some Trevor Noah bullshit. Like why do light skins always say, give the other side a chance and then joining, end up joining the other side. They some black women, Trevor Noah. You've had Lupita Nyong'o on like six times. Tommy Lauren wants your platform, not your dick. Anyways, gotta agree with the crackers on this one, Jamal. I would have survived this encounter. White prosecutor and retired cop dad run me over with a truck, packing shotguns and rock hard erections. I'll just hit them with that eloquent Negro voice. Why? Hello, gentlemen. Stopping me for the safe, simple sake of my niggerishness. <laughs> I admire your patriotism. Serving your country on overtime during a global pandemic. Violating social distance orders to violate any nigga not taking orders. False alarm. Just one of them reading niggas over. Jamal, at the point that they run up to you, they've already decided to shoot you. They left home seeking blood, Jamal. Giving them a fight makes it easier to justify your life. Though I concede, 
they probably would have shot the first vulnerable person darker than a paper bag they set our eyes on that day. This nigga wrestled with the white man, holding a shotgun to his belly. It's not gonna work, Jamal. No matter how many times you've snatched a basketball out of the hands of this very same white man at the rec league, you, you should have hit him with the Hello there, Massa, Massa Rogers. The snuck him. But not with an uppercut. With the legal system. Live to fight another day. Not to say that I can fault him. I go out running almost every day as a black man. The rush of physical exertion can put one in the most uppity of moods. Or maybe this nigga just wasn't house trained. Not yet cucked by the pressures of America and the demands of a white man with a gun. This, uh. <laughs> oh, got weird there. Uh, this uh, state sanctioned execution uh, marks a marked departure from the usual body cam policy of Brunswick Police Department. They normally don't even wear that shit. But homie felt compelled to record on his cell phone. The video released to the public was recorded by a third accomplice. This is not how you go viral on TikTok, Hank Hill. Bobby? Nah. Make sure you get my white side. And they brought this third guy as a backup, and I quote, In case niggers could fly! <laughs> These men won't see justice by any means, is my Paul Mooney-ass prediction. Could've told y'all niggas that from Jump Street. And I'll be here saying I told you so when the verdict comes back. If they haven't been issued a presidential pardon, and bestowed purple hearts before the verdict. Trayvon probably wrestled that guy too. We just didn't get the vid. I'm sorry for his mom. She was so strong. Every time I see her in videos on YouTube, it breaks my heart that this black queen is so ready to accept the, this reality where her son is taken away with no tears for the camera, only strength. I see my mother and her, and all the black women who've helped me get here. If I was taking away, if I was taking away jogging, cause I wanted to get a six pack during the coronavirus, I, I mean keep my six pack during the coronavirus. Uh, people tell me they don't watch these kind of videos because they have PTSD, right? I've got it too. My healing is living uh, their last moments with them by watching. Honoring the truth that it happened, documented on the web forever, as long as I pay WordPress. This is for Jamal, for his mom, the crackers who deny us, 
our children who will live in a better world with less racism but still racism to train and prepare them the same way the Panthers did Ahmad Arbery rest in peace King and there continues to be outrage growing over a shopper at a Santee Vons who appeared to be dressed in a KKK style hood our tennis reporter Jennifer Castor spoke to a sheriff's detective this afternoon who said the man has not been identified yet, but deputies are reviewing surveillance video. I could give you 10 identities right now, sir. Can we start a hotline? This detective told me she's been fielding several calls this Monday from members of the community who are concerned for their safety. But nobody knows him? Everybody Behind just concerned? This Vons and Santee, disturbing I'll give you 10 IDs. I know 10 white guys who were down to do lynching and wear clan hoods at Kmart. Parts of a man seen wearing what appears to resemble a KKK-style hood while shopping this past Saturday. 10 News is not showing the images that were taken by other shoppers and posted I've seen to social it. media. It's all right, Tammy. No place and no need for people to be acting like that and yes she said no need girl this hella want for it people are fearful <laughs> county supervisor diane jacob has called it abhorrent and an act of blatant girl what are you supervising under your watch niggas got clan hoods instead of face masks racism the anti ppp turn into kkk nation league denounced the incident and the naacp san diego is calling on local law enforcement to investigate and provide a full report to the community the san diego county sheriff's department said its deputies were not called to the scene at the time it took place nobody called the police like just another day here in san diego got homos got ku klux but detectives are now looking into it and will pursue criminal charges if necessary monday a spokesperson with vons referred 10 news to the company's statement from sunday reading in part Needless to say, it was shocking. Several members of our team asked the customer to remove it, and all requests were ignored until the customer was in the checkout area. Oh, until he was at the checkout area, he bailed. Why are you doing it right there, bro? If you just kept it on the whole time, you could have made it out easy. Nobody's going to be able to identify you. So many white men are gross like you and have that same like hunch and like body type and wear clan hoods in their free time. Charlie, we Charlie, Charlie. Our team, how to best handle such inappropriate situations in the future. Next time, gave him a medal. We're in San Diego. Message that was sent was an ugly one, and that means we must respond. But let's put this behind us. Why is this broadcast filled with only white people analyzing the situation? Ugly incident with love. With love, she says, we gotta love the clan because the clan loves us. And Fuck these the niggers. Mayor John Minto this Monday afternoon who Tammy with your pale ass. The city will not tolerate such behavior. Jennifer. Unless you really mean it. Kastner, 10 News. Fuck out of here, Jen. <laughs> All right. Um, so Katie Couric, uh, if only I knew who this Becky was. She seems to be some sort of reporter. Maybe just media personality thought old ass white shit. Um, Katie Couric is mercilessly dragged for making this eye-popping comment about uh, Denzel Washington. Um, this comes by way of Celebrity Insider. Complete trash. I ain't trying to be inside of any celebrity. Um, it's not clear why, but Katie Couric decided to bring up a negative story about the legendary actor Denzel Washington where she claimed that she felt uncomfortable during an interview with him. The exchange took place over 16 years ago. 
And Denzel made it clear that he did not appreciate being called Hollywood folk. Many fans took to social media to defend the filmmaker who seems to avoid drama and scandals throughout his impressive and lengthy career. One person defended Denzel by saying, Mm, she got too much time on her hands. She should start a garden or something. Cry emoji, cry emoji. But one thing for certain, and two things for sure, she better leave Denzel alone, heart emoji. A second commenter agreed and replied, mm, She should, because she thought Denzel was not that guy. I love it when our men stand up and don't back down, girl. Mm. I added that part. Someone on Instagram stated, White women always feel that someone wants them. Good, because I was dragging her ass back to 2004 with that unnecessary mess. Mm, it annoyed me that she was bringing this up now. Uh, 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 uh. Another follower dragged Corrick. Okay, okay, okay. So y'all get the gist of this. <laughs> Katie Couric, what the fuck are you doing out here? Bring it like... Like you, you're you're in a conversation with Denzel. You refer to him as Hollywood folk, and he says, "What? What? What is Hollywood folk?" Okay, okay. Let me get to what he said, and what happened in the in the set interview. Denzel, Katie asked him if he was part of the Hollywood folk, and he responded by, "I don't know what Hollywood folks are. First of all, Hollywood is a town that has some stars on a sidewalk." I don't know nobody there. I'm not Hollywood folk. I don't know who they are. She called him one of those people, he replied. Ah, there you go. Am I one of those people? Hmm, that's interesting. I'm a human being. My job is acting. Katie said she did not see anything wrong with the conversation. I don't think I said anything wrong, and I don't know what happened, and like, maybe he had, like, a really bad day. I love him, and I admire him so much. He's, he's one of my favorite actors, but I remember walking out and feeling really kind of shaken that he had gone after me. In a way that was completely, weirdly, uncalled for. Alright y'all, that was a lot even for me. Did I, did I communicate myself? Harlem, New York. Was there enough subtext in that shit, nigga? ...being a social and artistic place for black artists. During this time, hundreds of notable artists were in the city at the same time, and many of them have crossed paths. Even the ones that you never would have expected, including political leader Malcolm X and stand-up comedian Red Fox. Corey Zuman Miller, and here's a story that you should... Plymouth Rock didn't land on us. Oh! Put a pause in this shit like I'm Russ. Malcolm X was in Harlem the same time as Red Fox who was trying to make a name for himself as a stand-up comedian. Knowing what we know about Malcolm now, it's shocking to see how these two polar opposites were once friends. Now, Malcolm, you watch it, y'all. Make sure a nigga gets some rice. 
But let me tell you, I was more of a rice and peas, motherfucker. Red Fox was born John Elroy Sanford in December 1922. In the early 30s, this nigga was born in 1922. Wow, yo. Niggas in 2005 would be like, oh, nigga, you out your boy, whatever, whatever. He moved to Chicago from St. Louis along <laughs> with his brother and mom. While in Chicago, Sanford gained the performance bug after joining a band called The Four Bon Bon. At the age of 16, Sanford dropped out of high school and decided to move to New York with the rest of his bandmates for a chance hey, to make hey. it big. Band nigga, we gotta try to make it at least. I know he slays, but come on. Six. Sanford started out singing, according to him. He soon realized that he was the funny looking one within his group, so he started to tell jokes. With your ugly ass. The group broke up Stanford. after on national radio somewhere in the late 30s. While in Harlem, Sanford got a job at Jimmy's Chicken Shack, where he would meet and become close friends with Malcolm Little. At the time, he was called Detroit Red. Both Little and Sanford. Hey, Red, you ever freed them niggas yet? <sighs> Not yet. Not yet. Similar beginning. Sanford had come from Chicago to Harlem. While Sanford Mal with your crazy ugly ass. Malcolm came from Detroit. Both came from tough environments and eventually became hustlers together. The two had a lot in common. So it isn't difficult to see why the two were always together. They were both sharp dressers and they had similar red hair. In the book, Black and Blue, the Red Fox story, Sanford said, uh, Malcolm was about the same color. <laughs> You can hardly tell us apart. We both had those conks. We just bunch of niggas, skinny head niggas out here. Gotta get that shit, Malcolm. You feed them niggas yet? Yeah? Hair was red with a high pompadour, and we had them zoot suits. Them zoot suits. Them zoot suits. High drape pants. Billy Holiday used to sing about her blues. I used to fuck that bitch right away, Billy. He used to say, Billy, it's a holiday for me, bitch. We became bad now. In a speakeasy, where later on I was a waiter. Chicago Red was the funniest dishwasher on earth. Now, he's making his living being funny at a nationally known stage and nightclub comedian. I don't see any reason why old Chicago Red would mind me telling that he is Red Fox. The two worked at Jimmy's Chicken Shack in Harlem. Jimmy's Chicken Harlem Chicken Cooking Chicken They used to rob places together. We used to rob niggas be red! <laughs> Islam and shit, red. You ever want to rob a rap, bitch? You call me. Sleep on rooftops together. You call me, nigga. Sanford said that he knew Malcolm had his back. You know them Colombian bitches always got a dollar in the pocket. And he trusted him. Sanford told him to Anthony Major, who used to run Red Fox Productions in the mid-1980s. If Sanford was in a fight, he could turn his back. And no, Malcolm was going to be on the other side fighting with him. You got me, Red? There's about 10 crackers down this back. Gonna take us. I fuck one of them. They stole suits and they sold them. Dealt marijuana, other petty crimes, all together. Damn, allegedly. Allegedly. When we got a job at Jimmy's Chicken Shack, uh, we had all kinds of hustles going on. I used to hear me spot bitches. I sell all them. Like I said, bitch, you better say that pussy. But I said this chicken, girl. It was a business joint. Come on, eat that shit. You know black men love a dick, bitch. Love a dick, bitch. Up in the checks and so forth. <laughs> Sanford also admitted that he sold many zoot suits and he and Malcolm. Yo, bro, you gotta, like me and you, we gotta do the act or something, man. I got voices. You got voices. Like, it's not a competition. I really fuck with it. Nearby laundry business. <laughs> they usually sold them on top of the same rooftops where they slept. We'd sell one or two of them a day uh, uh, on the rooftop, and we never got caught for that. 
But we got time for a lot of fuck that shit. I don't stand the nigga around his neck and put that dinner in his neck. Like, nigga, give me that shit. I want me a zoop, 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 zoop. Sanford further reflected on their time together. And he shared how neither one of them at the time was into politics. I remember one time Malcolm and I joined the Communist Party. Uh, maybe not Georgia, but <laughs> maybe not Georgia. We just trying to fuck a little bitch and they had some free cheddar on the back. You know what I mean? I love these free food. Because they, they had white bras and food. And I ain't had no oh food. my God. I literally said that. And then he said that was the reason. Food. White bras and food. Oh my God. About two weeks. No. No. Smell the perfume and eat the sandwiches. You oh my God. A part of things like that because it was food, man. Yo, I've been these niggas. I've been these niggas. It's grabby young niggas in Harlem. Just going anywhere to get some free food and some pictures. And you win. Yes. Full of baloney. I'd join Put that back full of baloney. Wait, niggas, I don't dare this. That baloney. After running together for some time, Malcolm ended up getting himself into more trouble. Making larger robberies and using harder drugs. Fox the Nigga, I thought we were just about to refer. You all about the heroin and the marijuana. He distanced himself from Malcolm Moore, although the two were never. Malcolm, you crazy, nigga. I mean, I'm crazy too, nigga, but you crazy, nigga. We're on bad terms. Malcolm didn't have the showbiz talent, so. That nigga getting dads, getting monkey for shit. Now I'm monkey like a monk. I'm monkey right now. He didn't, you know, he didn't give a goddamn what, what he got into. He'd take on anything to get some dope. Anything, you know what I mean, nigga, like that. aggressive, but I, I'd rather be sleeping with a broad and, and, and go somewhere to a I'd rather party. be sleeping with a broad in the daylight, you know what I mean? Get my pants out by the way, by the ankles, by 3 a.m., and I leave that shit out the window, bitch! No, wake up, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. 15 minutes of comedy, then, you know, all of that. Do a little jokes on the corner, you know what I mean? That was back when niggas was funny and shit, you know what I mean? Make a laugh. After going their separate ways, Sanford continued to perform stand-up throughout the city. Nigga, I think I might make it with this shit, you know what I mean? I'm about deep boys and all the marijuana and cracking shit. I've been smoking all that shit. These white folk love this bitch. More needed in MC. While in Baltimore, Sanford changed his name to what we all know him as right now, Red Fox. Malcolm, on the other hand, continued to follow a life of crime, and he would end up getting arrested for burglary and is sentenced to 10 years in prison. While in prison, damn nigga, ten years—that's like a degree, a degree, and a degree. Malcolm educated himself by reading books on race, religion, history, literature, biology, and linguistics. He converted to Islam and began to follow the nation's principles led by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. In prison, Malcolm Little changes his name to Malcolm X. After going their separate ways, it would be 20 years before Fox and Malcolm would ever reunite. A photo had captured the two together after spending time apart. It's unclear whether this was the last time the two would see each other before Malcolm's assassination in 1965. It's fascinating to see these two figures had an impact on each other's lives before they became household names. Before John Sanford was Red Fox and before Malcolm Little was Malcolm X. They were just two niggers in Harlem, red as fuck, and trying to make the best out of Dollar and a bitch. The two were simply trying to make a name for themselves okay 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 you say it, you say it for the white people okay bro i'll keep it for the niggas over here <laughs> thanks my nigga and thank you for joining me my name is othello x keep it locked keep it loaded on nigga news